0: To go ahead and get started so more people may be joining the webinar as we go. But First of all, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Welcome to the Michigan Municipal League Foundation's webinar on applying for the 2021 Bridge Builders Neighborhood Microgrants. Today we're going to cover some information about the MML Foundation itself, what our goals and priorities are as an organization, and then we'll cover the Bridge Builders microgrant program. We're going to be talking about eligibility for the neighborhood microgrants today, the timeline for the entire process, and information about the application itself. This will give you a look at the questions before the application actually launches on April 30th. At the end, we're going to have time for questions from the audience. We are utilizing the Zoom webinar platform today, so we're going to be asking that you type your questions into the chat box. Please feel free to send in your questions at any point during the presentation. We may not answer them immediately. We may if they're relevant in that moment, Um, but if we don't cover them in that moment, we will
1: make sure that we get to them all at the end.
0: So today we're gonna have the MML Foundation President, Helen Davis Johnson, kicking off the presentation with more information about the MML Foundation itself. And my name is Danielle Baird. I'm an associate program officer with the MML Foundation and I'll be walking through the program details. At this point, I'm gonna turn it over to Helen to talk more about the foundation.
2: Hey Danielle, thank you so much. Um, I genuinely appreciate all of the tremendous work that's gone into putting this webinar together. Thank you to Kristen who's in the background here who's also made this webinar happen. We are incredibly excited about the Bridge Builders grants this year. Danielle's gonna share with you how they've grown but I want to share a little bit with you about who we are and why we think that these grants are important. We've been around since 1991, but I think we've really sort of kicked up the work lately. We're the philanthropic arm of the Michigan Municipal League. Um, we support what we think is innovative work or value added work through partnerships, through grants, and through programming that creatively and intentionally brings people together and builds community wealth. We also work with lots of communities to provide fiscal sponsorship for things that they are interested in raising dollars for. And we provide project support for the Michigan Municipal League member communities in all sorts of ways. We work with the league to support their work. We collaborate with all of the league teams and we do incredible complementary work um, within our mission. Our mission really is to help build community wealth across Michigan, and we can't do that on our own. We do that in partnership with communities, and we define communities very broadly. It's not just City Hall. It's everyone in the community, and I think Danielle's going to share a little bit with you about our community wealth building strategy But one one thing that I think is incredibly important about community wealth building is that it is not something that takes place in a silo. It's something that happens when lots of sectors get together and work. It's when there's public private partnership. And it's when we start to work together and begin to trust each other, that we create a sense of belonging in communities. And we think that the bridge builder grants are an incredibly important activity because what they do is bring people together. We're trying to fund in a small way some of the actions that, that are really building trust and belonging in a community. So we know that we have arts and culture as a part of that, and we think it's an incredibly important part of that. Um, that can lead to environmental sustainability, public health and well-being, um, lifelong learning, not just what happens K through 12, but the way that we learn together as communities as we grow, infrastructure is also something that it's not just the potholes in the roads, it's the way that we get around and the way that we think about connecting just like this. Um, And then financial economic stability and security is also a part of that. But we know that the work that you will be doing in communities is at the core of what communities really need in order to focus on what's local, to celebrate our assets, and to really come together across some of the barriers that Other people think divide us, but we know make us stronger. So what I would say is it's time now to hear about grants and I'll hand it back to Danielle.
1: Thank you so much, Helen.
0: So as Helen said, at the core of community wealth building is trust and belonging. And so last year when we entered the COVID-19 pandemic, At the beginning of the pandemic, we saw a lot of people starting to get creative about how to stay connected while socially distant, um, both around the world in the US and Michigan especially. And so we wanted to encourage more of that. The Bridge Builders Microgrant launched last year as a pilot. And so what what we are seeking to do is foster that sense of trust and belonging as well as spark civic engagement and restore that sense of agency in our communities agency being that belief that as individuals and as communities, our actions can influence the course of our lives and our communities, that what we do matters. So who are bridge builders? We are defining bridge builders as people who intentionally and creatively bring people together across divides to celebrate our shared humanity and the places that we call home. Last year's bridge builders were parents, grandparents, teachers, Everyday people who had a good idea to address needs in their community related to the pandemic, as well as the uprisings over racial injustice in our country, and wanted to make a difference. Many of them were focused on healing and understanding in their communities, as well as celebrating um, what made their communities unique, celebrating their connections to one another. Many of them did not have, quote, formal titles in their communities, like elected or appointed officials. Again, many of them were just engaged citizens who, Wanted to see, uh, and we use the term citizen quite broadly to, I should say, residents. So it really were residents that uh, just wanted to, saw a need and wanted to make a difference.
1: This year, we
0: are extending what we were running last year um, as part of the microgrant program and calling it the neighborhood microgrants, which is what we're going to be talking about today. The neighborhood microgrants invite Michigan residents to imagine a future for our communities where trust and belonging thrive, where individual's well-being is valued and diversity and culture are celebrated community assets. Communities can go a lot farther when residents are engaged and take initiative to solve challenges and have a sense of agency in their lives and in their communities. We're gonna be offering at least 10 $500 grants across the state to individuals, groups of residents and community organizations. This year, uh, the DTE Energy Foundation has also sponsored a second category, which we're going to be talking about in a noon webinar again tomorrow. Um, This category is for small businesses and artists, and it's intended to ask them to collaborate on projects that will result in real economic gain for businesses, artists, and residents, while strengthening social connections and physically transforming communities. That program is going to be offering at least four $5,000 grants for collaborations among businesses and artists. Both of these categories are intended to build bridges across divides created by race, class, age, ability, and more. Priority will be given to projects that engage residents, artists, and business owners that bring a diversity of experiences and perspectives that reflect the many facets of every community. So let's dive into the eligibility here for for the Neighborhood Microgrants today. I'm actually going to go ahead and put a link in the chat just in case you aren't sure if your community is a Michigan Municipal League member community. Um, We actually have a link where you can look up and see all of our member communities. Um, The majority of communities in Michigan, um, cities, villages, and many large incorporated townships are league member communities. And so who can actually apply for this grant? This grant is really open to anybody. So last year, many of the, People who applied were not necessarily organized any under any kind of formal nonprofit. So we're looking for neighborhood organizations, block clubs, grassroots organizations, or just individuals or groups of community members. Um, whether you have some kind of formal title or not, it doesn't really matter. Anybody is able to apply for this. I'm going to give a really quick overview of the timeline. This is a really high level overview, and we'll walk through this, and then after that, I'll explain each of the steps in a little more detail. Applications are going to be open from April 30th through May 31, so that's next Friday. After all applications are in, there's going to be an internal review committee that will select the semifinalists. This is really a due diligence step and where we select the applications that most closely match the parameters of the grant program. Those semi-finalists are then going to go to a public voting round, where we will um, launch that right in the middle of June, which will run for about two weeks. Once voting is closed, an external review committee made of panelists from across the state in different sectors, including philanthropy, local government, and business, will select the 10 finalists in mid-July. Once the finalists have been selected, we're going to notify those winners, and so long as they accept and are saying that they're going to continue with their plans, Um, If funded, then they're going to, we will be moving forward with uh, sending out payments and announcing the winners. At that point, um, those who who receive grants are going to be asked to complete their projects by the end of November. So again, uh, applications are gonna be open April 30th through May 31. We're gonna have separate applications for each category. So when you go to mmlfoundation.org slash grants, You are gonna see two buttons um, on April 30th, one that says apply now for neighborhood microgrants, one that says apply now for Main Street microgrants. If you're interested in neighborhoods, then you're gonna click that button and you're gonna be walked through some questions where we're gonna be asking you about your project and we're really gonna be asking you to demonstrate feasibility. So whether or not your project is really doable, we're gonna be asking you about the partnerships that you're creating um, and just the general creativity you wanna bring to your project. But again, we're gonna dive into uh, applications a little bit more at the end of this presentation. So what makes a good project? So in addition to all of the things on the screen here, a community-driven bottom-up approach, a project that has impact, a project that is inclusive, um, and a project that celebrates the community as well as unifies people across divides. Another thing that we are asking everybody is please to account for safety precautions for COVID-19. We are really hopeful that around July or August, Michigan will be really close to reaching herd immunity. We highly encourage people to get vaccines if they can um, so that we can start reaching that herd immunity rate and start beginning to re-emerge in our communities here. A Couple ideas about projects that fit for this program. So any kind of like physically distanced neighborhood event, um, inviting neighbors to create a collaborative art piece, um, hosting placemaking events, Uh, Any kind of event that promotes promotes, uh, active and engaged residents and taking part in your community um, are things that we're kind of looking to fund. And, you know, it's not an exhaustive list, but we do have some inspiration at our website um, where we actually talk about, we list the projects that were funded last year. And again, I'm going to drop another link in the chat. Uh, And don't let this... uh, Don't let this list necessarily limit your thinking, Um, but it's just an idea of some of the things that uh, were funded last year. Uh, Additionally, we are going to be, um, our, our, this program is really just partly inspired by the Irrigate Program out of St. Paul, Minnesota. And so it's another area where we would uh, encourage people to um, get some inspiration. I'm gonna drop that link in the chat as well. The things that don't fit for this program, we are not able to fund legislative or partisan political activities. We're not able to fund loans or routine maintenance of public spaces. Um, Additionally, we should just, it probably goes without saying, but to say anything that glorifies violence or promotes hate, discrimination, or exclusion is not something that we want to fund. Additionally, we are not able to um, fund protests. While we do support the right to protest, and we do firmly stand in solidarity with those protesting police brutality, just
1: know that we can't fund protests.
0: So to dive into the semifinalist stage here, and the public voting. So 15 semifinalists are going to be selected by the Internal Review Committee that will go for public voting. The public voting round is meant to be a fun way for the community to get involved and show their support for a project. Votes are going to be allowed once per day per person. And we highly encourage people to spread the word on social media. Uh, The MML Foundation is gonna have posts on Facebook and Twitter that can be reshared with links to that voting page. So we wanna take a moment too to clarify how the votes are going to be factored into judging voting is not the sole determinant of the winners. Votes are gonna be weighted based based on the size of the community. So this is going to ensure that, similar, that smaller communities can compete with the larger communities. What the votes will tell our external selection committee though, is that people in your community see a need for your project and wanna see it succeed. So again, highly encourage people to spread the word and get people voting. So besides voting, what else are we kind of looking at here in terms of our um, in terms of our criteria for judging? So innovation and creativity is one category. An excellent project would distinguish itself from others, something that's original, innovative, and creative, something that would demonstrate a new way of thinking and meets a current or emerging need in the community, and something that residents or participants would find engaging. Um, oh, and I'm seeing in the chat, too, that the link to the 2020 winners doesn't work. Uh, At the end of this presentation, I'll make sure that I uh, insert the working link. I apologize for that. So again, back to innovation and creativity, Um, something that a not so excellent project would do is something that doesn't really bring new ways of thinking about issues, something that just wouldn't really be engaging for participants. The next category for scoring is gonna be community impact. So an excellent project would be something that has clear impact, that's gonna be engaging, that the activities are gonna be something that are contagious and transformative and something that would have an impact now as well as later on. And so a not so excellent project would kind of be the opposite of that, be something that maybe feels a bit contrived or something that's being done to a community instead of with a community. The other category for um, scoring is going to be addressing equity issues in the community. So an excellent project would demonstrate that there's a deep nuanced understanding of community dynamics and inequities that exist. So it would directly bring people together in the community that may not normally interact or experiencing tension to generate deeper understanding among them. Not so excellent project um, would be something that doesn't necessarily understand an application that doesn't show any understanding of community dynamics or social inequities, or doesn't really address equity at all. The last category other than voting that it's going to be scored in are the is overall feasibility. So if you can demonstrate that your project plan is well thought out and make it clear that um, to our panelists that there's you know no doubt in their mind that you'd be able to execute on the project based on your application,
1: that's what we're looking for
0: So let's take a moment to dive into some of the application questions. One thing that's going to make um, applying for this easier is establishing a main point of contact for your application. So um, this is something where we're going to be asking you for your your email address, phone number, things like that, so that we can maintain communication with you just in case we have questions about your application and also make sure that we notify you um, about,
1: about your status in the process.
0: So here are the questions about the project that we can take some time to dive into a little bit. We're gonna be asking you to briefly describe your project. So if you were just talking to somebody on the street or a coffee shop, what would you tell them what it is that you're going to do? What is it that you're going to do? Who's gonna be involved? Who's going to participate? Who's gonna help make it happen? Additionally, what outcomes do you hope to achieve through your project? So this is where you can demonstrate that community impact. What is it that you hope to see change in your community? What is there some, Is there something going on in your community that you think is good that you would like to see more of? And tell us how your project is going to help foster that. Additionally, we're going to ask you to tell us why your community needs this project. This is going to be your opportunity to demonstrate uh, that commitment to equity and understanding different social dynamics within the community. Um, this is your time to tell us, you know, is there some kind of challenge that your community is facing um, that may be related to the pandemic or otherwise that you're really trying to address through your project? And tell us how your project does that.
1: Let's see, the
0: other piece here. So, what resources do you already have to make this project successful? So these can be things like time, partners, expertise. Um, is somebody going to be donating space for you to use? Are people going to be donating materials for your project? Um, are your, you know, is there any other funder that's interested in in supporting your project as well? In addition to the $500 microgrant, this is your time to just tell us about this. This also helps us helps you demonstrate the feasibility of your project. Um, that is where we are um, just looking to make sure that if we fund your project that you're going to be successful. So here's another piece to talk about too with your project. Um, We wanna make sure that we keep it legal. So there are gonna be some projects that require special permits from the community that you are in. And um, you may or may not have gone through the process before, but say, for example, you wanted to host some sort of creative uh, socially distanced block party that would include closing down a road. That is something that you will need permission from your local governing body um, and also probably your uh, your local police department to help you close down a road, to help keep people safe, keep traffic off of the road. Um, things like permanent art installations, um, even temporary art installations, things like murals, you will very likely need um, permit from the city if this is something that's taking place on a public space. And this is something where once a project reaches that semi-final stage, we're able to assist applicants in navigating that permit process. Again, if you're not entirely sure who it is that you're supposed to be speaking to at the city, um, you know, you're not really sure who to call or whether or not your project needs a permit, um, you know, we're absolutely happy to talk through that with you. And again, I should say that uh, you know, at any point in this process, we are available to answer questions. Um, There's going to be an email address at the end of this presentation, where you're going to be able to um, send any questions that you might have, whether it's um, before the application is open, during the application process, uh, or or at any point afterwards. So that concludes a lot of the application information for the neighborhood microgrants. Uh, At this time, again, if you want to send questions to grants at mml.org, we're going to be able to take questions there as well if you think of something later. Um, But in the meantime, let's answer some questions from the uh, chat box here. And if you have any other questions, please feel free to start typing those into the chat box. So let's see, I see a question here. It says the Main Street projects involve artists and business owners. Does this include Downtown Development Authority board members? So, um, so yes. Yeah. So today we're really just talking about the um, the neighborhood microgrant category. We're going to be going into deeper detail into the Main Street microgrant category tomorrow. Um, we're happy to start talking about that a little bit now, but at the same rate, I want to leave time for questions specifically about the neighborhood category today. Um, But yes, Downtown Development Authority board members um, could absolutely be involved in the Main Street category applications. We'd certainly welcome that. I have another question here that says, can a group apply for both the $500 and the $5,000 grant? Absolutely, if you have a project that you aren't really sure which category it might fit in, for one, please feel free to reach out to us and we can talk through it a little bit more. Um, You know, the point of the webinars today, as well as uh, leaving our contact information open here, is to make sure that uh, we're getting really good applications from every corner of the state. So we want to see good, successful applications come in. So if you have a question about your project specifically about maybe which category it fits into best, we're happy to take some time to talk with you about that. But the short answer to your question is uh, is yes, a group can apply for both the $500 grants and the $5,000 grants. You may not necessarily be funded for both, it may just depend on where things fall there, um, but you're certainly welcome to apply for both.
1: Let's
0: see here. See there's a question in the chat here about a recording or video question. This webinar is actually being recorded and afterwards we're gonna be posting this on, on our website, um, again, on that grant page so that you can reference this later on and others can uh, and others can see it as well. That'll probably take a couple days to get that, the video edited and just up on the, uh, cleaned up and
1: put up on the website. Let's see, I see another question here.
0: Let's see, I have another question here about how many microgrants will be awarded? Um, the $500 microgrants in the neighborhood category, we are gonna be awarding at least 10. Um, we are embarking on some other fundraising efforts. If more dollars come in, we're happy to fund more uh, microgrant projects, um, but for the neighborhood category, there will be 10. And then I see another question here. So there would be 10 grants statewide or $5,000.
1: Sorry, I'm not entirely
0: sure I understand the question here that came in, it says, uh, it sounds like there is much more cost in the evaluation staff process than the grant is the total more than $5,000. We will be, if I understand the question correctly, we are gonna be giving out a total of $5,000 in grants for the neighborhood category. And then for the main street category, we will be giving out a total of $20,000 in grants. Um, The main street category will have four $5,000 grants, which would be the total of $20,000. But for the neighborhood category, it would be a total of $5,000 given away across the state in $500 increments. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I answered that question in the way that you were looking for. Um, so the person who asked that question, if you wanna, if you wanna clarify if I if I didn't get that right, please uh, please type in the chat.
1: Okay. Any other additional questions for the neighborhood microgrant category?
2: So I just want to clarify to you there's a question in the chat asking about the awards being regionally based and just clarify that the neighborhood micro grants that we're talking about today are not regionally based. These are statewide grants so tomorrow we'll be talking about the regional
0: grants which are for the small businesses and the artist collaborations. Okay, thank you so much Helen. Yeah, I didn't see that question come in. Um, yeah, so this is statewide and again in Michigan municipal league member communities and then uh, and then tomorrow we'll be diving into the eligibility at noon for the main street microgrant category
1: okay are there any other additional questions on the neighborhood microgrants that we can answer for people today.
2: Danielle, I just wanna thank you for giving such a clear presentation. And several people have asked in the chat box whether or not this will be available online. And I just Mm -hmm. wanna say out loud that the reason for doing these webinars before we actually launch, sort of hard launch, this program is so that anyone and everyone can
0: access the webinar information on our website. Mm -hmm. I do see one additional question too that came in about funds needing to be used this year. Yes, we are asking that people um, expend the funds by the end of November of 2021. Um, Again, we can be flexible though there, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's to be flexible. So, uh, you know, if if people do need an extension on their project, um, absolutely, we are willing to work with people. Um, we would just ask that you really plan for your project to be uh, completed this year. Okay, if there are no additional questions, um, then I think we can actually go ahead and wrap this up. So again, if you do have any additional questions, please just send them to us at grants.mml.org. At um, and we thank you so much for your time today. And um, all of this information is going to be on mmlfoundation.org grants, including recordings of the webinars. That's also the same link where the applications are gonna go live. So uh, please stay in touch with us on social media for updates and check out our website where you'll find more information thank you all so much for coming today. This has been a production of the Michigan Municipal League. For more information on our programs and services, please visit www.mml.org and join us for the next episode of We Love Where You Live.